We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. I think Becky was just thinking Don's forgot his mic again. Let's talk tonight about how to escape the trap. How to escape the trap. Verse 13. We're going to read 13 through 27. It'll be a little bit lengthy, but. And they sent unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him in his words. And when they were come, they said unto him, Master, we know that thou art true and carest for no man, for thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God and the truth. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? First of all, let me stop here. Man, what a, what a bunch of lowlifes. You see how they're approaching Jesus? Oh, great master, we know you're, you know, oh, you're the greatest of all times. And then they're going to throw this question at him. because Verse 15, shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, and said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny, that I may see it. And they brought it, and he said unto them, Who is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus answering said unto them, Render to Caesar that things that are Caesar's, and to God that things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Then come unto him the Sadducees. They're sad, you see. That You've heard that, right? That's, that's, that's why they're called the Sadducees. They're sad, you see. That's... No, the Sadducees is a group from the Sanhedrin. You, you think Samaritans? Yeah, yeah. This Sadducees is actually like a little group out of the the, the Sanhedrin. Which they believe a certain thing, which we'll talk about. Which say that there's no resurrection. There it is, and they ask him, saying, "Master, Moses wrote unto us, if a man's brother die and leave his wife behind him and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother." Now there were seven brethren, and they took. The first took a wife, and dying left no seed. And then the second took her and died, and they left no seed. And the third, likewise, you know, that's absolute idiocy. There, there's no way on the third round here that they don't have any children. <laughs> See their story they're concocting here? They're coming up with this. So, so, and, and the second took her and died, and leaving no seed. And the third, likewise. And the seven had her and left no seed. Last all of the, I would say, woman, get out of that family. That's a bad seed family. If none of them can produce children, you, that's what I would have told her. Of course, I'd have been way off base. Jesus had the right. So, so, and the woman died also. Everybody died. In the resurrection, therefore, now wait a minute. These people don't believe in the resurrection. We just read that. So we understand now they're out to trap Jesus, right? We're talking about escaping the trap. In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had her to wife. Now, there again, Don would have stepped in and said, none of them. None of them could produce a child. None of them. But that's not what. And Jesus answering said unto them, Do you not therefore err, because you know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? Verse 25, For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. And as touching the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses how in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and of God of Isaac and of the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. How to escape the trap. Have you ever felt trapped? You ever, you ever felt like you're going nowhere? 
Your life's a treadmill. Frustrated by no accomplishments, trapped in a job, trapped in a certain lifestyle, trapped by religion. You ever? Some people feel that way and some don't. But we have to understand that traps exist in life. Life is full of traps. That's the devil's playground to set traps. So how do we escape the traps of life, the escapes of religion? How do, we, how do I get out of a trap and then how, how do I stay out of the trap? That's some questions we're going to look at here. So let's look at how Jesus handled it. After all, he showed us how to get out of traps. He showed us how to stay out of traps and not to be involved in the trap. So let's read verses 13 through 15a again. And they sent unto him certain, and who's they? Well, we don't know. So we got people outside that don't even want to be known that are setting traps for Jesus. Understand this about your life. There are going to be people you're never going to meet. They just really like to see you fall on a trap. Just because you say you're a Christian, they may never say anything to you, but they're glad to see you fall. That's, what they're, that's who they is here. And, and, and said unto the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. And when they were come, they said unto him, Master, we know that thou art true, carest for no man, for thou regardest not the man, person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. Is, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? And then the first part of verse 15, shall we give or shall we not give? Shall we give or shall we not give? You see, they try to trap Jesus with a question of, of, of allegiance here. They're setting him up. The Pharisees and Herodians were, just to look at it, if you, if you look at them, would be the equivalent of the Democrats and the Republicans getting together and concocting this plan to get Jesus. Now, all of a sudden, they're buddies. But, but in real life, the Democrats hate the Republicans and the Republicans hate the Democrats. It's the same thing here with the Pharisees and the Herodians. They're trying to achieve a goal, and that is to trick Jesus. By the way, they wanted to catch him here. The Greek word for catch, agrino, means to hunt or entrap. They were literally on the hunt here. They were trying to entrap Jesus. So they carefully crafted this question to entrap Jesus uh, so that they could, in one way or another, defame him. The question involved the payment of an annual tax to Rome that actually began in the annual tax to Rome upon all of the Jews began in 6 AD. And it was very emotional. The Jews had a very hard time with this. They hated it. They didn't like talking about it. They didn't want to because they hated paying the tax to Rome. They wanted to force Jesus into this compromising position. Yes would discredit him. Who, do, do we pay or not pay? Who, what do we do? Yes would discredit him in front of all the Jews. No would bring retribution from Rome. So, you know, either way they're thinking, we got him. One way or the other, he's got to answer yes or no. We got him. So then let's read the second part of verse 15 and verse 16. But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, why tempt me? That word tempt there uh, is entrapment or trap. Why, why are you trying to trap me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. And they brought it, and he said unto them, Who is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. So his first response is, Why are you trying to trap me? I understand what you guys are doing here. First of all, let's get all this out in the open. Remember this, when a trap comes your way, first you need to recognize it as such. Right? When, when people, Because people will ask you questions. Well, where did Cain get his wife? You ever had that one? Are people really wanting to know where Cain got his wife? No, they want to try to trap you and to try to, well, uh, some, some off-the-wall answer or some, you know. Is it relevant where Cain got his wife? Well, humanity's here. It's relevant because <laughs> humanity's here. 
<laughs> but everything is relevant in its place. You don't take a relevant situation and take it out of its relevance and then use it because you're doing when you do that, it becomes a weapon of an entrapment or hunting, which is what they're doing here. And so she called so they call he said, bring this penny. That word penny there is actually a denarius. It a denarius was a Roman coin that was actually used to pay taxes with. They didn't just fish all their coins out. There were particular tax coins that they had to pay taxes with. This is what denarius. And so he said, who's the portrait on the coin? They said, well, it's Caesar Tiberius. It's Caesar. Well, so the superscription or the inscription, what's that on there? Well, it's Tiberius Caesar Augustus, the son of the divine Augustus. And on, on one side and on the other side was Pontifus Maximus, the chief priest. So this coin was designed to pay tax with. And by the way, both of these individuals lay claim to divine honor. They they wanted to be thought of as divine divinity. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said unto them, Well, render to Caesar that things are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. Man, that makes a lot of sense. So now they, they, they marveled. They, man, he slipped out of that one again. They marveled. He said, Give to Caesar what is Caesar. What is Caesar's? What is Caesar's here? The coin stamped with Caesar's image is Caesar's coin. Okay? So it was used, this coin was distributed to pay tax. And so this, Caesar had legal claim to this coin. It was his. It was distributed to them so that they could pay their taxes to him. Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let's just really quick. If you want to turn there, I'll, I'll, Romans 13, 1 through 7. A lot of people have issues with tax. Let's just really quick. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. Understand this, the people that are in power, there is no higher power than God. And the people that are in power, watch this, the powers that be ordained of, God ordains the powers. God ordains the powers. When we don't pray for a president, that's, that's a bad deal, whether you like him or not, because God has ordained the power. Whereso therefore resisteth the, whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. Oh my, now it's going to get thick. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Man, it's really getting thick now. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. <laughs> Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and that shall have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to, to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he, he beareth not the sword of the vein in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him, and doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all the dues, tribute to the, whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So just understand that Jesus is answering a question here. This, this a life, it's a lifelong question. Do we, do we pay tax? Do we pay tribute? So... What we have to understand is, is we must give proper allegiance to our civil authorities. That's proper allegiance. Understand something. What happens with your tax money? Besides some of the things we hate, what's supposed to happen with your tax money? Just really quick. 
Build roads? Benefit society? Military? So, so, so the tribute, the tax is given, and it's there. The purpose is to serve the people, right? So now we question our tax money. Is it serving the people? That, we're not going to get off on that, okay? Just, that's a long deal, yeah. So, but proper allegiance says we're, you're giving because you, you want police. You want military. You want good roads. You want good infrastructure. That's why you're doing those things, and that's required of. So it says, uh, and give to God what is God. So we understand what is, we understand what is Caesar's here, right? It's the coin, right? It's the coin with the with the inscription on it. It's the coin with this face on one side. It's got the high priest. And so what what is God's? He said, you render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto God's what is God's. So what is God's? Are. Right. God, you bear the image of God. That's it. If the coin with the image of Caesar belonged to Caesar, then who bears God's image? We do. Therefore, what Jesus is saying is this. We should completely give to Caesar what, he's, what he gave it to you first so you could pay the tax. So you give it back. But give to God what is God. So what is God's? You. So you're supposed to give everything, all of yourself, back to God. So he's, he's taking them totally out of their... Don't you wish sometimes we had this, the inkling of wisdom that Jesus had in this... Because, man, he turns this whole thing around on them. We should never give to man what is due God. You should never give yourself tribute to man. It's, it's not, there's not a man in this world that deserves that tribute. It's God's. You should never do that. So the Pharisees and the Herodians were the ones who were trapped here. Now, now they're trapped. They have a misplaced allegiance, and now they're trapped. One group worshipped the state. The other group worshipped a religious system. So the question is, who, who do we pledge our allegiance to? <laughs> Ask yourself this question. I'm going to just run a, a litany really quick. Do you, do you pledge your allegiance to a belief system or a worldview? <clears throat> Are you a born-again Christian? Yeah, I'm a Pentecostal. Be careful. My allegiance is not to, uh, I'm, I'm a Pentecostal by experience. I'm an apostolic by experience. But I hold no allegiance to any of that. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm God's. So is it wrong to pledge allegiance to the flag? When you give proper, because the pledge of allegiance to the flag is proper alliance, allegiance to your country. That's proper. If you give pledge of allegiance over God, I pledge allegiance to the United States of America, which is greater than the Lord God Almighty. Well, now you're in a different story. So you're pledging proper allegiance, and we should do that. Right, right. My allegiance is that I believe what this country believes in. I support this country. I support, and, and no other country is above this country. But understand something here. We're going to talk about this. There is no allegiance above the allegiance to God. None. Yes. One nation under God. Okay, so since you brought that up, are we one nation under God? 
is the United States one nation under God? Okay. In the technicality, yes, we are. But in the allegiance, no, we're not. We've fallen from that arena. We no longer pledge allegiance to God like we used to. And so we need to get back there. That doesn't mean we're done. We need to get back there. Do you, do you have an allegiance to a habit, a pleasure, a job, your sense of worth, a relationship? We've, here's why I'm asking these questions. Because we feel trapped because none of these things that I just mentioned is ever going to give you, no matter how much you put into a job, a pleasure, a habit, a relationship. It's never going to give you what you put into God. That's why your allegiance to God is important. The only way you're going to have a great job is your allegiance to God has to be first. The only way you're going to have a great marriage is your allegiance to God has to be first. The only way you're going to have good pleasure is your allegiance to God has to be first. God's not against pleasure. But if, if your allegiance is not to Him, you know where pleasure is going to take you. Correct. Yes, it wasn't in the original. Yeah. 54. So that's what, listen, this is what a trap is. We're talking about how to not get trapped or get out of a trap and stay out of it. What is a trap? It's something that looks good, but it never delivers. I've set traps in my, I've caught skunks. I've caught armadillos. I've caught rabbits. I've caught fish. I set a trap. Boy, when I, I got some good traps. We've got a thing called a rattle trap. And it's got little BBs inside of it. And you throw it out, and as it's wiggling in the water, it makes the sound that, that they can't hardly resist it. It's a trap. It looks good, but it's not going to deliver. They think they're getting a meal. They're getting caught. And that's what a trap is. You think you're getting something here, but you're getting caught. So our first safeguard in, 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 is, is just to avoid these tra- religious traps. These, all these is, is your complete and total alliance to Jesus Christ. That has to be first. There's nothing wrong with alliance to your country. There's nothing wrong with alliance to your marriage. There's nothing wrong with alliance to you. But everything has to be under the alliance of God. Then it works. Give God your cold, total and complete alliance. Give your all. It all belongs to Him anyway, right? E- even what the heathen have belongs to God. They just don't know it and don't, they don't get it. The Pharisees and Herodians were amazed that Jesus avoided the trap once again, that's why they were amazed. So, another group, let me keep my time up here, another group, a representation of the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, came to Jesus with their question. So, we've, we've read, I won't reread 18 through 23, but you, the basis of it is, a man, you know, a man dies, his wife, you know, what, what he's doing here, well, let, me, let me go through this first. The Sadducees were, were experts in Scripture, as long as it was the Torah, the first five books, they believed that was the only Scripture. That they were a part of the Sanhedrin. They believed that's the only Scripture, the first five books. So the point of their question was not to get an answer because the, and they didn't believe in a resurrection. So they weren't trying to get an answer about what was going on with this lady and the five brothers and seven brothers. They were trying to trick Jesus. They wanted to ridicule him and trick him. That was the whole point of their question. They weren't wanting an answer. They, they, the reference here, when you read this, this is an actual reference to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 25. They, if you look at Deuteronomy, chapter 25, 5 through 10, it, it talks about this question. 
That's why they're bringing it up. If a man dies, and this is what Deuteronomy 25 says, if a man dies without a male heir, his brother is to marry the widow. The first son they conceive and have is considered the dead man's son. Does that make sense so far? And so the, fa- the, the reason for that, that keeps the family name and the inheritance remains the same. There was a purpose and a design in this. And so that's what they're referencing here to Jesus. But what they did was they concocted this wild story about seven brothers. And go, one brother died, no kids. Another one died, no kids. Another one died, no kids. I'm sure Jesus is at this point is thinking, you can't do any better than that. Make up, yeah, make up a better story. So Jesus gives two steps in his response to safeguard from this trap. What does he do? He points out their problem. Verse 24, he said, answering, said, do you not therefore err? You're not in error. Do you understand something here? You're in error. You know why? Because you don't know the Scriptures, neither the power of God. You're erring in your question. If you understood the Scriptures, and the Sadducees were Scripture-laden people, you, and you don't know the power of God. That, that, that's your two problems. That's why you're having these problems. So they're an error of not knowing the Scripture. Jesus said, you're absolutely wrong. What you're saying here, your question, you have no clue what you're talking about. What Jesus said to the Sadducees would be equivalent to being in a courtroom and telling a judge he doesn't know the law. That's or or be, tell a college professor, you don't know your subject. That was the equivalency of what he was telling them here. So you can imagine now the blood's boiling a little bit. They're a little bit angry with Jesus now. See, they had the anti-resurrection thing wrong because they thought the, they were thinking on human terms, not God terms. They couldn't believe in a resurrection because in their first five books, there was no resurrection. There was no discussion of a resurrection. So they thought. They thought because there was no discussion of the resurrection in the first five books of the Torah that there was no resurrection. But there was, and Jesus points it out to them. You see, here's the deal. Heaven is not simply an extension of life. Most people think of going to heaven as an extension of my life. I'm living here temporarily, but, man, I'm going to live life eternally. But heaven is not just that. It's, it's, he compares it to the angels and the worship that goes on. That's what it's all. It's a continuum of worship. Just as the angels are doing it now, well, that's what heaven is really about. It's not about who's wife and husband and all the brother and all. It's not about that at all. He's, y'all, y'all don't even understand the Scripture. Why do we encourage open and honest worship here? Why do we encourage that? Why do we encourage clear and heartfelt worship at Tabernacle of Praise? Because we are practicing and getting ready for over there. That's why we do this. He deserves it. And when he gets there, he's going to get it. Even those that stand, even those that stand at the white throne judgment are going to kneel and give him proper due. They're going to worship him for who he is. It's the sad thing is that will be the only opportunity of worship for the eternity, the eternity part of their life. So if you don't like worship here, by the way, and I'm just preaching to the choir now, so. If you don't like worship here, you're really not going to like heaven. You figure something out, go somewhere else, figure something else out. The Sadducees only held the Torah as authoritative, so nothing outside the Torah was not authoritative, and so no resurrection. So Jesus takes them to Exodus chapter 3 
to the burning bush. When we read it here, just look at, look at, he said, and as touching the dead, I'm sorry, let's back, yeah, as touching the dead that rise. Wait, wait, wait. Have you not read in the book of Moses how in the bush gave in is saying, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? What was he saying here? You see, God, they understood God. They understood the Jehovah. They understood him as helper, protector, savior, redeemer. They understood him as all of this. And so what, what Jesus is saying here is he says, I am. I, I am, meaning it's, it's current. It's current. It's, it, it's continuum. God, I am God of helper. I'm God of savior, protector, redeemer. He is not helper, savior, and protector, redeemer of the dead. Think about this a second. Why would God help, save, redeem, protect the dead without the possibility? What would what, be the purpose? Why, why would God protect you here if you were not ever going to see him again? What, what's the point? So you could have a good life here? No, there's no, no, no Bible for that. Why, why, would he, why would he redeem you here if there was not a resurrection? That's, Jesus is telling them this. Why, he, he's, don't you all understand something here? That's why he said, I am, because he's current. He's current. Why protect somebody through the course of life and then fail to deliver them through death? Yeah, at this point, you know, the Sadducees are sad, you see. But they're, they're figuring something else here, hopefully. So, knowing the Scripture, because see, the resurrection, the resurrection was pointed and proved at Moses in the burning bush when God said, I, I am the God. He didn't say, I was the God of Abraham, and I was the God of Isaac. And I was, he said, right now, I am the God of Abraham, because Abraham is with me. Right now, I am the God of Isaac, because Isaac is with me. Right now, I am the God of Jacob. So Jesus is bringing this all to the... They just assumed there was no supernatural power. They made assumptions because all they knew was... And that's the problem in Scripture. Anytime you study Scripture and read Scripture to prove a preconceived notion or idea, you are going to be way off base. Many, many people write books, and they take Scripture to prove their thought rather than taking the Scripture to prove what is. Does that make sense? I, 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 I'm going to deal with that this weekend. Not here, but I'm going to have to deal with this this weekend. There, there's a person I'm going to have to deal with that, just as a for instance, there were, there were, and I'll just use this and I'll, I'll, I'll get through here. Uh, you ever heard of a book called The Roman Road? Y'all, do, do you know what that book's about? We know all roads lead to Rome, and we know why that happens, because they built all the roads, but that's not what the Roman road's about. Do you know what the Roman road's about? No? Okay, the Roman road is a book that's it, it's designed. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Rome, and, and it's designed to show Christians how they should live for God, how to maintain their walk with God. And Can, can you find a salvation experience? It, you, it's, it's a letter to the people who are already saved. It's the church in Rome. Romans is not a letter that's just written to the Romans. The Romans could give a flip. It's to the Christians in Rome. And so he's not telling them how to be saved. He's not telling them what it takes and here's what you do to be saved. He's telling them how to maintain their Christian walk with God. 
But the Roman road book uses it to tell people how to be saved. That's what the Roman road says, that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. That's fine and good. But Jesus said, unless you repent, you shall likewise perish. And there's nothing about repentance there. So either Jesus is wrong or Paul's wrong. Neither. Because that book is not written for salvation purposes. So it's, that's why we don't take preconceived notions and then study Scripture. If I want to know about baptism, I don't need to think, well, is it necessary or not? Do we dip? Do we sprinkle? You don't think none of that. Just go to the book and study it. The Word's going to bear itself out every single time. Never fails. You know how Don knows this? Because when Don went to church with Jana, when she was filled with the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name, when Don went to church, he would sit there with the Bible and pick out his little Roman road areas and say, that pastor's wrong, that pastor's wrong. But you know what kept happening every Sunday? Uh, we won't talk about that one. That pastor, well, we can't talk about that one because they all, all the words he was preaching began to agree because it's what the book said. It's what the book said. I had a preconceived notion about what was right. And Jesus said, you guys have a preconceived notion about what's right here. And you're totally erred. You're totally off base. So if you don't want to become trapped in man's religion, man's ideology, man's methods, you just can't read the Bible. You've got to study. Study to show thyself approved. Study to show thyself approved. Inquire the Scriptures. God rewards those who diligently seek Him. How do you diligently seek God? Well, prayer's one, right? Prayer. How else do you diligently seek God? There's a little hint, hint, read about it. How else do you diligently seek God? Not do you just read, because you know what? The Sadducees read. They just didn't study. If they studied Moses in Exodus chapter 3, they would have gotten the resurrection. They didn't study. They preconceived. So that's how, that's how we find God. It's through prayer. It's through what we do here, all those things. The other error they made is that they didn't know the power. They didn't recognize God had the power to resurrect. All that God did in the first five books of the Bible, they couldn't recognize that God had the power to resurrect because their religion was based on facts, knowledge, and men. They had some facts. They had some knowledge of the facts, and they had some men involved here, and that's all they based it on. They didn't base it on a relationship. Your, your word study and understanding God and the power of God, the power of God is not something you read about. It's something you experience. You can read about electricity all day long, but until you flip that switch on, you had not experienced a thing. You can read about the Holy Ghost all day long, but until you flip that switch, until you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you, you're, you're just reading about it. You're, you're knowledgeable, and there's nothing wrong with knowledge, but knowledge is not the extent. It's not the end. It's the beginning. It's the understanding this exists. Well, then if this exists, I need to experience this. That, that's what it's about. But many people in Christian, Christendom today have knowledge but no have experience. You've got to experience. Uh, their God just had no power. Trapped, they were trapped in religion. It wasn't that God didn't have power. Their religion had no power. The Bible says a lot about God's power. And I'm going to finish here. Romans 1. God's power is displayed in creation. If nobody ever tells you about the power of the Holy Ghost, you can walk out into creation and His power is displayed. You, you ever wonder what's going to happen to the indigenous people of a certain land that never heard the gospel? God's power is on display. Let God and them, God, God's going to deal with them how God deals with them. 
1 Corinthians 6, it's God's power is demonstrated in the resurrection. Ephesians chapter 1, His power is, is demonstrated in us as believers. There's demonstrations of the Spirit in us as believers. The power of God should be demonstrating itself in us. You, you ever been to a demonstration? You ever done a demonstration? Demonstrate how to, we had to do that when I took speech in school. You had to demonstrate how to do something. That means I sit there and I talked about it and I said this, that, and no. You know what? I had to put my hands on it and I had to work it and I had to show it and then it had to have its proof. And that's what demonstration of the Spirit is. Second Thessalonians 1, His power accomplishes every good deed and every desire of God in us. That's what the, the power is. Colossians 1, it gives you the ability to patiently endure while having joy. On and on and on. So, Jesus said they don't know God's power. And he was speaking to people. See, when Jesus said you don't know God's power, he was speaking to some very thorough understanding in the Jewish concept because they understood when he said no, it wasn't about intelligence. It was about experience. When, when I say, well, I, I don't know what that means here in America. That means I don't have an intellectual understanding. If, if the Jew says, I don't know what that means, they're saying, oh, I haven't experienced that yet. Totally different from our no. But that, Jesus knew that, and he spoke that. So understand this. Understand this. You, got to, you have to know his power. What does that mean? Experience it. Experience it. Anybody have any? I tried to hurry through that because I didn't want to go too late. I'm sorry, but Yeah, yeah, and it's so yeah. There are pe- yeah, they're sad. You see, there are people that don't believe in the resurrection. Yeah, there there are people in Christendom that don't believe in the resurrection. Yeah, they don't believe it. They don't believe in a death. They don't believe in a lake of fire. Because they err in the scripture. That's something Jesus tried to make these people understand. You're messing up because you just don't understand the Scripture. This is not about what somebody's teaching you. He said, you err in the Scripture. And see, that's where I'm not going to be able to stand for God and go, well, you know what? I would have gotten their God, but Bishop never told me that. That's not going to happen because it's not up to Bishop. to. It's up to me to get it. If Bishop helps me, thank the Lord. But... There are Bible scholars that believe in uh, reincarnation. Yeah. Bible scholars. Bible scholars. Yeah. Yeah, they teach that Judas, the Antichrist, is the... Reincarnate Judas? Reincarnate I hadn't heard that one. Judas. Yep. I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. 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 It's a, she's a, she's been on Doctor Phil. Yeah. 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 I was reading about it. I was like, dude, everyone, you're on the wrong show because he's going to expose that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Errors in the scripture. It's simple. It's simple. It's simple. Do we know everything? Absolutely not. The simplicity is this. We just got to keep studying. 
if you can't be saved before yeah. the tribulation, <laughs> yeah. you're sure not going to be saved through it. Yeah, good luck with that because, yeah, it's, it's easy now, especially in America. And you know what? The sad thing about us is that, you know, we're going to fold like a cheap suit because it's too easy for us. There'll be a lot of people here that fold like a cheap suit. It's too easy. Can't, they're not going to be able to take the pressure and the, you know, we, we, we think, we think because they said because of the virus, we can't come to church that we're, we're oh, the, oh man, I'm, I'm suffering terribly for God. There was no suffering for God whatsoever in that. None. But we think that's we're being discriminated against and suffering because we're Christians. And now, if they come along next week and say, "All right, we're going to show up with cops," and if you're, you know, we're putting you in jail if you're suffering, if you're worshiping God, that's a different deal. That that hadn't happened. We've got it. You know, so Bishop's right. If, if if you can't live for God now, don't think that. Oh, all of a sudden you're going. Well, uh, you'll be the first one up there going stamp me. However that works. Just whatever that. God bless y'all. Love you. Bishop has the services. We've got to go to Houston. So Bishop has the services this weekend. So enjoy. Have great services. I know you will. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.